And I love that this study brings out that art museums are part of the mosaic of human flourishing. They're, they're pieces in that puzzle. They're not the whole thing, and they can't be the only thing, but by taking advantage of the arts around us, we can do better for ourselves and our communities towards flourishing. Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Art Museum, a podcast that tells weird, wonderful, and inspiring stories from the museum world. I am Zoe, and today I want to share why you should visit an art museum for your health, and then give you five ways to make the most out of your museum trip. Spoiler, visiting art museums increases not only your quality of life, but also your length of life. Let's look at two recent scientific publications. In December 2021, the Journal of Positive Psychology from the University of Pennsylvania published an article titled, Art Museums as Institutions for Human Flourishing. It begins with this quote from Dr. Martin E.P. Seligman, quote, The arts and humanities help us weather the storms of life, but more than that, they can help guide us to new possibilities as we imagine and create more fulfilling lives and thriving communities." End quote. That is a beautiful description of exactly what this article is all about. Catherine N. Cotter and James O. Polsky reviewed and synthesized decades of clinical and non-clinical research on the health benefits of visiting art museums. These benefits apply to both mental health and physical health. Visiting art museums was linked to a decrease in negative factors such as depression and loneliness and an increase in well-being factors. Researchers saw an increase in feelings of belonging, connection to others, cheerfulness, happiness, engagement, and uplifted spirits, all from engaging with art at a museum. These positive benefits of art museums have prompted doctors in different countries, such as Belgium, to start prescribing art museum visits as health treatments for their patients. They can write you a prescription to go to an art museum. I love that. Visiting art museums has also been shown to produce a community-building mindset. Engaging with art triggers reflection on wider societal issues. The article refers to all these positive effects as, quote, human flourishing, unquote. And I really like the term human flourishing. Negative emotions and experience are part of being human. And of course, we want to take measures to mitigate as much of the negative as possible, but that's not ultimately what life is about. Life is about building the positive. It's about flourishing instead of just surviving. And I love that this study brings out that art museums are part of the mosaic of human flourishing. They're, they're pieces in that puzzle. They're not the whole thing, and they can't be the only thing, but... By taking advantage of the arts around us, we can do better for ourselves and our communities towards flourishing. Here's another study. In 2019, professors Daisy Fancor and Andrew Steptoe, no, I'm not making that up, at University College London published a behavioral health report titled, quote, The Art of Life and Death 
14-year follow-up analyses of associations between arts engagement and mortality in the English Longitudinal Study of Aging, end quote. Classic, very specific, long science name. As the title suggests, the researchers tracked mortality rates in three groups of people. One, those who infrequently engaged in arts activities. Two, those who never engaged in arts activities. And three, those who frequently engaged with the arts. So again, first group are those who infrequently engage with arts. Second group is those who never engage with arts. Third is those who frequently engage with the arts. What counts as engaging with an arts activity? Well, this includes visiting museums, galleries, or exhibitions, as well as theater, concerts, or the opera. The results. The group who infrequently engaged in these activities had a 14% lower risk of dying than those who never engaged in the arts. I'm going to repeat that. The group who infrequently, so the infrequent museum, theater goers, they had a 14% lower risk of dying than those who never engaged with the arts. And people who frequently engaged in arts activities had a 31% lower risk of dying. In short, people engaging with the arts are observed to live longer. And it didn't take much arts engagement for those results. Infrequent engagement in this study was interpreted as attending arts events once or twice a year. Once or twice a year. That's like going to the Nutcracker Ballet during Christmas and then catching some art exhibit in a museum during your spring break. That's it. And then you have 14% lower risk of dying. Frequent engagement with the arts activities was defined as every few months. That means about six times per year, going to a theater or the opera or a gallery, or even just four times per year. That's barely anything. So those are the two scientific studies that I wanted to bring to your attention. I find them fascinating and so helpful in not just defending art museums and the arts in general, but getting people excited about what this has to offer us and our communities. Now, despite all these scientific findings, not everyone will immediately find visiting art museums a rewarding or uplifting activity. I adore art museums, but I also fully admit that their colonialist history haunts them still in the form of what I call an elitist aura. Curators and museum educators are working to combat this elitist aura, but people still find the art world intimidating and oppressive. I'm passionate about breaking down barriers so that everyone can enjoy their experience at an art museum. If you feel uncomfortable with art museums or certain styles of art, like abstract color fields, I see you. And I promise, it does get more rewarding the further you push yourself outside your comfort zone. In the spirit of pushing ourselves outside our comfort zones, I'd like to share a few ways to engage with art museums and get more out of your experience. I would be remiss if I didn't draw your attention to the fact that most art museums have apps 
self-guided tours, or podcasts which tell you more about the art. The more you understand the stories behind the art, the more you will enjoy your experience at the museum. Foundational truth, right there. The more you know, the more you love it. Or if not love it, then at least find it interesting. You can find out more information about these channels of knowledge on any museum's website or at their front desk. Now, here are five of my favorite museum-going tips. Number one, bring a sketchbook. I've never taken a studio art class in my life, and it shows. But I really enjoy drawing. I will pick one piece of art and spend maybe 15 to 30 minutes sketching it in detail. After sketching something in detail, I also enjoy attempting to draw it in one continuous line or a series of abstracted shapes. For me, it's just a form of play. As a student of art history, I also have practical reasons for drawing the art that I'm studying. Drawing something forces me to slow down and spend quality time with the art object. The painting or sculpture becomes kind of like a friend. Drawing also trains my eye to look for little details that I wouldn't have noticed just observing the work. Sketching keeps my creativity engaged and makes me feel like I fit in at the museum through active participation. Number two, catch the traveling show. Most museums will host traveling shows, or at least some temporary exhibits that can be easily missed if you don't look for them. I like to check online to see what traveling or temporary shows are on view at the museums in my area so that I don't miss anything. Sometimes art will be traveling around the world. I saw an amazing show at the Getty Center of ancient Greco-Roman bronze sculptures and totally fell in love with a statue of a bronze boxer from Rome. Temporary shows may also be exhibiting light-sensitive objects that can only be shown every few months, if not years. Textiles, paper, and some photographs are fragile materials that ironically have to be hidden most of the time to be visible some of the time. I don't know when my next chance to see Bosch line drawings will come along, so I go to the temporary exhibits. Number three, talk to the guards. Gallery security spend the most amount of time in these exhibits and have certainly noticed more about the art than I have. It's kind of awkward to be in a place with security, so most visitors avoid interacting at all with guards, which must feel really weird in their shoes. I like to say hello, and if they seem open to a quick chat, I'll start a conversation about the gallery we're in and ask them what I should go see next. They always have something to teach me. Number four, don't see it all. I'll repeat that, don't see it all. And don't feel guilty for skipping galleries or pieces of art. Art museums easily overwhelm me. I was recently in the Bavarian National Museum in Munich, Germany. It is massive. Even just their medieval collection is massive. After going through all of the medieval galleries, I entered the neoclassical ivory gallery, and just seeing the silver tableware in the next room made me feel sick. I'm a bit dramatic, yes. I had to go find an emergency sandwich and a cappuccino, a sign of desperation since I'm a tea drinker. All this is to say, when you need to hit the museum cafe, hit the museum cafe. The art will be there next time you visit. Unless it's a temporary show. Try to prioritize what you really want to see first. 
If you're at the Met in New York and you know that you're dying to see the painting of Madame X by John Singer Sargent, the portrait of the Lavoisier couple by David, and obviously the massive Assyrian statues of lion-slash-bird-slash-human guardians, make those the priority and give yourself permission to skip the musical instrument galleries, unless those are also your priority. And finally, number five, spark your imagination. I'm a visual and story-focused person, so I like to imagine different settings or stories for the art. What might this Byzantine icon have looked like under flickering candlelight? How did this Indian statue lose its hands? Were they destroyed on purpose? Was the artist of this oil painting in love with the woman in the portrait, and did she know it? How did this bronze Roman statue survive? Why wasn't it melted down like most of its compatriots? Was it buried? Or in a shipwreck? If you're less poetic slash sappy than I am, you can play the hypothetical burn-borrow-steal game. I stress hypothetical. Burn-borrow-steal is a game which a friend and colleague of mine uses to teach art history to his college students. Hypothetically, if you had to burn one object of art in the museum, which would it be? Why? What about it bothers you? Why shouldn't it be in a museum? Why shouldn't it exist at all? If you were allowed to borrow one piece of art, which would it be? Where would you display it in your home? What attracts you to that piece of art? And if you had to steal a piece of art, which would you purloin? Would you try to sell it for profit? Would you keep it for yourself? What about it makes you turn cat burglar? It's a fun game for all ages. That's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Links to the publications I referenced can be found in the episode notes. If you'd like to suggest any episode topics or give me feedback, please search Meet Me at the Art Museum on Instagram or Facebook. I'll put those links in the notes too. Well, until next time, go to an art museum so that you live long and prosper. 